If you've ever wondered, how do you set up a spendthrift trust? Well, you've come to the right place, although the answers may not be what you're expecting. Hi, my name is Don Thornton. I am a senior trust specialist. What does that mean? That means that I am the expert, your guide to help you going from not knowing anything about the trust and becoming a trust expert and having one yourself. In this video, I'm going to explain to you exactly from A to Z how you set this trust up. I'll talk to you about how you can invest in trust, how you apply for the trust, how you get the trust uh, purchased, how you actually create the trust and make sure that you're named the trustee. And finally, I'll go over the process of selling your assets into the trust and making sure that everything is set up for you to go out there and start saving money on your taxes and protecting your assets. Let's get started. So the best, the first step that happens when you want to set up your trust is you need to apply for it. Now, this is not like applying for a job. You know, you're not going to have a credit check or, you know, no one's going to do a criminal background check and say, hey, you, know, you don't qualify for a trust. That's not that's not what its purpose is for. However, it is the first step. And it's very important for us to know how this works, because the biggest thing that we need to know about is. What's the name of the trust, right? You have to tell us what the name of the trust is going to be. And then second of all, you need to let us know who the settlor, S-E-T-T-L-O-R, is going to be on the trust. Now, I'm going to get into this in the next part of my video, but uh, because this is a non-grantor trust, you cannot you know, create the trust officially yourself and become a trustee because the IRS will consider that to be an alter ego of yourself and you won't have any tax benefits from that. So you need to have a third party to do that. We call it a settlor. And so you need to figure out who that is. And I'll go into more detail about that, but you need to put that in the application. And also you need to, uh, to say who's going to be the trustee. Now, most of you are going to put you as a trustee, but some don't. I mean, I've had a client recently who uh, had his wife be the trustee and then he was the compliance overseer. Uh, it's kind of the same thing, but I'll get in that in just a second. So you need to find, you need to uh, make sure that on the application, you write who's gonna be the initial trustee. And then you also need to, there's also space in the application to, just, uh, to write down who the beneficiaries are gonna be. Now, there's no limit on how many you can have, but you got to have at least one, okay? Because you have the there's no beneficiary, then there's no reason to have a trust. So it can be one, it could be 10, it could be 20, it doesn't matter. So you just have to have at least one. Now, in my case, my wife is the um is, is a beneficiary, and my son, Danny, my daughter Natasha, and my grandson, uh, Timmy, Timur, actually, his full name, are my beneficiaries. So you need to put those into your, on your application. Now, it also is going to have a, a question for who's going to be your compliance overseer. Now, in, in this type of trust, there, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a discretionary trust, which means that it has to be one person that has complete control over the trust. So the trustee is that person, but you know, the, there's also a dual role. Uh, you need to be, a, someone's got to be a compliance overseer. Just understand it this way, okay? There has to be one person that has total control. The buck stops there, like Harry Truman used to say back in the night when he was president. So the compliance overseer is the one that has ultimate control. Most of the time, like I say, not 97% of the time, if not more, my clients, the trustee is also the compliance overseer. But 
you don't have to. Like, for example, if you have co-trustees of your husband and wife and you want to have both of you as a trustee, well, one of you has to be the compliance overseer. So I just understand about that. And then at the end of the application, uh, you have to put down who is actually going to be purchasing the trust. It doesn't matter. I mean, if, if, it, if it, even if it's paid for by somebody else, if it's if it's a um, say your company pays for it or or a relative pays for it, it doesn't matter. You just have to you know write down who the initial purchaser is going to be. So once you have that application sent. I mean, filled out that he sent it to us, and then we're going to uh, go over it. Someone's going to reach out to you within 24 hours just to confirm that everything is accurate. Okay, and then at that point in time, uh, you know, you wire the money, and so uh, once that money is received, you have a three-day right of rescission. And once that three-day right of rescission is gone, then you know the uh, the trust is created for you, and it's sent out to you uh, by Federal Express. So what I'd like you to do right now, if you don't mind, if you want to do me a solid, is subscribe. I love it when people subscribe to my channel because I know that it means there's one more person out there who's getting this valuable knowledge about how to legally reduce your taxes and to you know, get judgment-proof asset protection. So all you got to do is just uh, click on the button, subscribe, and make sure you click on that bell because uh, that way you'll get notified whenever I drop a new video. And I drop a new video at least once a week, sometimes more. All right, so let's talk now about how you how the trust is created. In the previous section of this video, I talked about the importance of deciding on who's going to who's going to be the settlor. And as I said, the settlor is the person that's actually going to officially create the trust. And just to review, this is a non-grantor trust. Therefore, it can, if you're going to be the trustee. You cannot create the trust yourself. So it needs to be a third party. And a good rule of thumb is that you don't want this person to ever be inside your trust. You know, you don't want that person to ever become a trustee. You don't want to that person ever to become a beneficiary or a compliance officer. This is someone that would never, ever be, uh, you know, in your trust. Okay. So for me, I picked my neighbor and that's all I need to be done. So creating the set, having the settlor is very important. So when the trust is sent to you and you have it, it's going to be a trust book and there's going to be instructions on how all this stuff is done. And we're going to be there to hold your hand, make sure everything is done correctly. So don't think that we're just going to say, here you go. Here's a trust. Good luck. That doesn't work that way. So uh, there's paperwork that needs to be done. So what you'll do is, you know, what I did uh, for some recently when I, when I was acting as a settlor for them, then we went down to, the UPS store, and we had the stuff notarized. There's some, you know, four or five pages of, of uh, paperwork has to be notarized. And so then as the settlor, the settlor actually creates the trust. And then the settlor names you, wherever you want to be in your trust, to be the trustee. And that's very important because now once this is done, the trust exists on its own. It has, you know, it, it is an independent entity. The settlor who created it, has now named you the trustee. So you're a trustee and you didn't create the trust, okay? That's really important. And then finally, after, after that's done, then your settlor resigns. So now that person is gone, right? So you see how that works? And so then uh, now uh, our company will have given uh, created an EIN number for you with the IRS. So that means once, that, once you're the trustee, and you have uh, and the trust is created, you're the trustee, and you have the EIN number, you're going to get a certification of trust. And so what you can do is you can take that 
that uh, document and your ID, of course, and you go down to a bank and you open up the uh, bank account for the trust. Now, uh, we don't care what bank that you um, uh, choose, but we do recommend that you choose one that's that our experience has shown that's easier to work with. And the last couple of years, frankly, uh, Wells Fargo is really good. Now, I know Wells Fargo has a lot of bad press. A lot of, I mean, I get a lot of people saying, oh, man, I don't want to do Wells Fargo. I understand that. And I can tell you that by far, they're the easiest, you know, and um, they'll just say, okay, you got this and this and this, okay, good, you're gone. I mean, you don't go into it. Some some don't understand about how to do a trust or how to open up a bank account for a trust and say, so want to see, oh, we want, we want to see the trust, the exact trust and everything. Let's go through our attorneys. Don't, if someone starts giving that kind of stuff, don't go to them. The nice thing about Wells Fargo is that they don't even, they don't even uh, bother with that stuff. So they're the easiest of all the major banks. It has to be United States Bank. Okay. So that's what we recommend. And so uh, when you then you have your your trust bank account set up, and now uh, you're you've got it all set up. So uh, and next, I'm going to talk to you about how to sell your assets. But before I do that, I really want you to leave a comment. I tell you what, you know, I'm a selfish person in a sense. I want engagement. I want more engagement on my YouTube channel because that means that YouTube will show my content to more people. And that's why I'm saying, please, I'm doing this. Uh, I'm doing this for free, of course. And I would love for you to engage with me, ask me some questions, uh, you know, maybe give me some suggestions about what you'd like for me to uh, do a video on next. This video, for example, was a suggestion from someone saying, hey, would you do a video on how to set a trust up? So you know, your wish is my command. So don't forget to leave a comment. I really appreciate it. So let's talk now about how to sell your assets. So in the trust book, you're going to get specific paperwork about this. And so what we're going to do is there's going to be a bill of sale. And that's where you're going to itemize every asset that you have that's going to be sold into the trust. Because remember, this is an irrevocable trust, meaning that you can't transfer stuff assets into the trust you have to sell it irrevocably so it becomes a trust property and that is done with a bill of sale and if it's real property you can do it with either a special warranty deed a warranty deed or a quick claim deed whichever you prefer so uh if you have your personal residence if you have investment property if you have any kind of like gold silver precious metals you know you want to be able to do that you want to have you want to sell everything and, and listen it's also intangible assets and that's very important uh, i'm not going to talk about this in this video but if you if you watch my youtube channel you'll understand the importance of you know selling your intangible assets especially if you have active income ordinary active income that you're uh where you're producing something you're selling something or you're getting paid for a service or a business owner 1099 you know that type of person you want to be able to use an LLC to be able to uh, convert most of that income into passive income for the trust. That's how you get your tax reductions. So um, if you have that, you know, you want to make sure that all your intangible assets as well. So, for example, I'm a short sale investor. So a lot of my assets are up here. A 20 years experience, I have my systems, I have, you know, the secrets of how I get discounts, what works, what doesn't work, all that stuff is, is an asset that needs to be sold into the trust, okay? It needs to be sold in trust because eventually, you know, if you have this type of scenario where you have active income, you want to be able to lease that, those assets, including your intangible assets, to your LLC, okay? Like I said, for more information about that, 
you know, watch my other videos and you can, and, or, you know what, better yet, just reach out and, and uh, do a, you know, set up a, a strategy session with me so I can go over it in more detail. So anyway, uh, so you're going to sell those assets. So now we're not going to, you're not going to sell them for a profit because we don't want to trigger a capital gains tax event. So a good rule of thumb is that we're going to, you're going to sell what you know, or what, and what you have, your assets, at whatever price you acquired them at, minus any depreciation you might have taken. Okay, so as an example, let's say that I had to, I had a, uh, I have an investment property that's worth five hundred thousand dollars now, but I, I bought the property at two hundred. So then I would have, then the price on the bill of sale would be two hundred thousand. But if I, if I, um. If I had taken depreciation on that, then I would need to, you know, reduce that. But if I put any improvements in on, you know, improve the property, put money into it, then I would raise that up. You see how that works? So you finally get a number to where it's minus, you know, whatever you paid for it, minus appreciation, plus any any um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Any uh, pre, uh, any uh, improvements that you put on there. Okay. So then on. Uh, you know, we'll, and like I said, listen, we're going to help you out with this. Don't worry about the, the you're going to be stuck with nothing, you know, no, no help, no, no knowledge, no advice or whatever. We'll help you through all of that. Okay. So bottom line is, is this is all going to be sold into the trust. Now in a, in a, in a, any kind of a sale, there has to be consideration, right? So there's the, the trust is not going to give you any money. It's going to give you a note. Now, it's like a demand note, it's a promissory note, whichever way you want to helps you to understand how this works. But you're going to get paper basically, and so the trust is going to owe you this money. Okay. So, uh, and whatever that is 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 like say if it's three hundred thousand, if it's five hundred thousand, or whatever. And then you know because you mean you're putting vehicles in there, you're putting anything you can into that is being sold into the trust. Okay. So at the at the end of the day, there's going to be a value put on this, and you're going to get a note from the trust saying that it owes you this money. Now, what this means is that you can draw upon that whenever you want. Uh, let's say, for example, that uh, you want to take uh, twenty thousand dollars out for some reason. That you know, if you, you want to do something that's not a trust expense, maybe it's for food, fashion, and fun, and so you want to take twenty thousand dollars out of that, and your demand note is five hundred thousand. Well, then that reduces your demand note from five hundred thousand dollars to four hundred eighty thousand dollars. So you get that cash from the, from the trust, assuming there's money in the bank account, of course, <laughs> and then you—that's uh, not taxable event for you. Okay, so twenty thousand dollars you can use for whatever food, fashion, and fun, and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, it's not taxable. Okay, so uh, now I know a lot. A common question people ask me is, Don, well, what if I have a mortgage or financing on an asset I'm sitting over there? That's fine. One of the forms you're going to get in your uh, trust book is, uh, you know, a bill of sale. We already talked about, but this will, this is going to be an assignment of note. And so you, if you have a mortgage. Let's say your property is worth uh, $500,000 and you have a $300,000 mortgage on it. So then there's going to be an assignment of note for that mortgage, assigning responsibility to pay for that mortgage to the trust. Now, it's not recorded. It's not sent to the bank, but you have it in your trust book. And so therefore, now it is officially a trust expense and your trust will then make all the payments for that. Same for vehicles. So you're not, you don't have to uh, recording this stuff. You know, in fact, maybe you shouldn't. I mean, that's up to you. But for, if for a real estate investor, that's, it's a simple, what we call a subject to transaction. And, you know, you can look that up on Google subject to, you know, it's, it's like taking an asset, uh, 
subject to the existing mortgage or existing financing. So it's very common. And that way uh, it becomes a trust expense and you can go ahead and the trust can pay for all, you know, the, the, the financing for your vehicles or your residence or residences or your properties. Okay. So that is how it works. So what I would love for you to do, if you're interested in learning more about this, go down into the description of this video. You'll see my, you'll see my um, website, financialfreedomforyou.now.site. Uh, you can also schedule this by Calendly link there. You can also schedule an appointment with me. And uh, by all means, you know, let's, uh, uh, I can walk you through about how this will work for you. You can tell me what your situation is. I can tell you, um, you know, what I think the best solution is and, and why this trust can work for you. And let's talk. So by all means, let's talk and, uh, and I'll see you next time. And I appreciate you being here and watching this uh, new video.